Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Our previews for 2022 continue. Today, Justin Walker joins us. We will preview the West Virginia Mountaineers coming up next. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here once again, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Joining us today it is Justin Walker, the host of Coos's Corner, does that on YouTube. Where else can people find you, Justin, before we get going here today? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter. Uh, handle's right below here at, at Coos206. Uh, I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcast, several different podcast platforms as well. Uh, I am on Instagram and TikTok as well. I don't use those a whole lot. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure those out, to be honest. But, uh, I'm with you. the The TikTok thing is not it's not me. And also, I got hacked on Instagram once, so I'm off there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk some West Virginia football. So, the the number one thing that I think people have kind of been going back and forth about this year is like really how hot is the seat for Neil Brown because he's owed a lot of money. He signed an extension. What was it after 2021, 2020? I forget which year it was. 2020. But he, yeah, he, so he signs the extension. So he's owed a lot of money, and it's not like the performances have been have been horrible, but it, they're not really pushing those uh, kind of upper bound limits at this point. So how hot is the seat for Neil Brown going into 2022? Depends on who you ask. I think from the fan base perspective, it's really hot, but from the administration perspective, probably not so much because of what you said, the extension and the buyout he has, which is in, in excess of $20 million if they were to let him go. And a school so, like West Virginia right. doesn't have the doesn't have the financial wherewithal, I don't think, to pay a twenty million dollar buyout for a coach. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, because and I have heard variety of opinions on that. Uh, where are you personally on on kind of how hot the seat should be? I think it should be hot. I mean, in year four, now I'm not saying you know he has to go out and win ten games, but in my opinion, if he doesn't win eight, seven minimum, then we should probably go a different direction because. Year four, I don't think there's any more excuses. COVID is not an excuse anymore. Dana Holgerson's recruits, which there are still a few of those guys left on the roster, but the majority of the roster are his guys that he's brought in. So I think the excuses are over. It's time to start winning football games. He now has an offensive coordinator, so we can't blame him on that anymore. Uh, it's time to time to get it done on the football field. He made some interesting comments about the change, the offensive coordinator. Obviously, they bring in Graham Harrell. Um, and – you know, he talked about like personally what it's done for him, right? But he, he said, I've been able to be a better dad because uh, he's, you know, he's not worried about all, of, I mean, you know, all the stuff that goes with having to coach one side of the ball and also be the head coach. Um, your thoughts about kind of making that move. Do you think it shows desperation, maturity, a, mi- a big mixture of both that he gives up the play calling and sees somebody else as an offensive minded coach? What are your thoughts on, on that change? Yeah, I think at maturity. I mean, you got to keep in mind, Neil Brown's only about 41 years old. I think he's the same age as I am, actually, uh, which is very young to be a head football coach at the Power 5 level. And, I, and even though he was at Troy for three years, I think it's a whole different – the expectations are so different at a Power 5 school. Uh, there's more responsibilities. You have more – you know, probably a lot more media responsibilities, more responsibilities when it comes to dealing with boosters and all this other stuff. So I think he probably figured he could do it. Uh, with ease like he did at Troy. I, I shouldn't say with ease, but do it successfully. And I just don't know that that translated to a power five level. Uh, so I do think it shows 
you know, he he held himself accountable for not being able to get the job done offensively. And, uh, you know, there are some who think that Shane Lyons may have pushed him to do that. I don't know. But either way, um, I think it shows a sign of maturity that he that he was willing to do that and let go of and stop micromanaging so much, so to speak. So the the big change here everybody's excited about is is JT Daniels. And this is a player that when he plays looks really good. The big question is how often can you get him on the field? How often can you get him playing? Now everything seems to be right now, right? He's healthy. It's all good to go. There's no concerns about anything as we head into the no knee and no shoulder and nothing as we head into this season, right? Not that I know of. I think he's pretty much healthy for now. Uh it'll, you know, obviously to be determined, can he stay that way? Uh, we, fortunately, we have a experienced offensive line coming back, so hopefully they can keep him upright as much as possible, uh, and so that he can show show what he really can do when healthy. And th- so, you know, th- this was the move that kind of brought the most excitement because the one interesting thing about the, the passing game for West Virginia was that I mean, Jared Dagey was leading the league, and, and he actually ended up leading the league last year in passing yards, right? So it. But you never watched Jared Dagey and thought, you know, that's that's a really good quarterback right there. I mean, he did not move around a whole lot. Um, you know, pretty statuesque back there is the way I would describe him. Decision making was hit or miss sometimes, and it feels like you know, especially last year's receiving core, like that was actually a pretty decent receiving core that they had. And uh, you pair that with Letty Brown, they really weren't able to to cash in a whole lot on that. I mean. They made a lot of mistakes, and it was not just him, but just not able to cash in kind of as much as 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 often as they should have, I think, offensively. Right, and I think a lot of that, there's multiple reasons for that, I think. Uh, the offensive line, though they're talented, were very young last year. We had a true freshman playing in there. We had a our center who's very good and is on some preseason watch lists this year, Zach Frazier, but it was the first time he'd ever played center full-time. So he, he, he didn't play it in high school or anywhere. So. And then you had Doug Nestor, the transfer guard from Virginia Tech last year, who played half the season with a cast on his hand. And I don't know how many people realize that. When he got that cast off his hand the second half of the season, he was a completely different player. And he actually graded out really high, according to Pro Football Focus, the second half of the season. So, uh, And all those guys are back. Plus, we have you know our left guard, James Gaminter, back. Well, our right tackle position is probably going to be the one to watch because there's a competition going on between last year's starter, Brandon Yates, and uh, a guy named Jaquay Hubbard, who's really pushing here for that starting spot. And that that could be our weakest spot on the line this year. Uh, but I do think those guys will push each other to get better. And uh, then you add in the fact that, according to Coach Brown, uh, all the all, you know the stats, Daggy led in yards, but he also led a number of sacks taken. Uh, but he says you can't put all that on the offensive line because – a, sometimes they get on the ball too long. And B, he said he said our running backs and tight ends missed a lot of blocking assignments last year. So, and according to him, you know, they're correcting all that now in, in, in the offseason. So, hopefully, we see a different, a different offense than what we saw last year. Hey, everyone. Quick word from our sponsors before we get going further on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need to find the right people to put on your team you're a small business or if you're a large business as well, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers 
visit LinkedIn. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The running back position is an interesting one for them this year. So they, you know, they lose Lenny Brown, who I thought did a phenomenal job. Um, and then they, they brought in Lynn J. Dixon and then he decides, you know, he ends up transferring out. They, they do have some returning, uh, you know, talent off this team. Uh, they bring in, they bring in, but they still have Tony Mathis, who's kind of looks like he's going to be the guy, right? I mean, but yes. what does that running back rotation look like for Mountaineers this year? Yeah, right now, Tony Mathis is the number one guy. He stepped up last year in the Kansas game. Uh, he, he played most of the second half just to give Letty a breather because Letty had been beat to death, basically. Uh, and, and Mathis ran for nine. I know it's against Kansas, but he still ran really well, gained over 100 yards in that game. Then he played. Letty set out the bowl game, so Tony was the, was the guy. Uh, obviously, our, our offense as a whole looked terrible, but Tony Mathis actually looked pretty good in that game. He ran for over 50 yards, I think it was, but didn't have a whole lot of carries So, uh, and, and looked pretty good while carrying the ball. So we just didn't have – their defensive line just ate us up in that game, so we didn't have a lot of <laughs> – he didn't have a lot of hope. But uh, he is going to be the guy. They say he's the hardest worker on the team. Uh, he, you know, he he's he's due. You know, he's been sitting behind Lady Brown now for what I, I think two years, maybe three. Uh, he's come in and he's 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 at an ideal weight now that he's been trying to get at all all off season. I think he's at two oh seven, so he's in really good shape, and uh, he just looks really really good. And I think I think he's going to surprise some people this year. And then we've got Justin Johnson, a four star recruit uh, in last year's class, who did see some action last year as a true freshman who's been stepping up and looking really good and gaining confidence. And then we have another four-star recruit behind him and Jalen Anderson, who right now isn't being mentioned a whole lot, but will be that third guy uh, more than likely in that running back room. Wide receiver is an interesting position for them too, because, you know, you lose uh, uh, Winston Wright, right? Goes to Florida State, which was a big loss. Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, is one of the better wide receivers in the league. He's probably a top five, top six wide receiver in, in the Big 12. Um, and also, you still have Sam James there, too. But, you know, there there are – I mean, there's there's not a ton of depth at first look, right? I think that's the big question is, all right, who's actually going to be catching passes this year outside of those two guys uh, for the Mountaineers from JT Daniels? Well, you, you mentioned Ford Wheaton and Sam James. But I think we'll also have Caden. We have Caden Prather back, who was a highly touted recruit uh, coming in last year. Saw quite a bit of action in the, late in the season. Showed some flashes. We think he could be a breakout star this year. Uh, we also have Reese Smith coming back, who was uh, in the two deep last year as an inside receiver. Uh, you're right. We don't have a we don't have the amount of depth we had. But Coach Brown, I think, did that on purpose. He said that we had too many wide receivers on the on the team, and he couldn't keep everybody happy, essentially. There weren't enough touches to go around for everybody. So he's, he thinks that having the number they have now will actually benefit more. You'll be able to get guys in more of a rhythm, and they won't have to, uh, you know, worry about losing. Hopefully won't, hopefully won't have to lose guys to the portal because we lost three receivers to the portal. Uh, not only did we lose Winston Wright, we also lost two other guys, Isaiah Esdale and Sean Ryan, who both would have been fifth-year seniors. But we also have a couple young guys that they're expecting – to show some 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 nice things this year too, Cortez Braham being one of those, but uh, I think he's going to step up and have a nice year too. So you know you you switch over now on defense. I mean this is a defense that has really lost a lot. 
it wasn't like the, the the performance last year was you know was um, wasn't bad. I mean, they were twenty sixth in finishing drives. They were seventieth against explosive plays, so not great. Sixty sixth in efficiency, so they were kind of middle of the pack when it came to those things, and and uh, middle of the pack also in the Big Twelve. Uh, scoring defense forty fifth in the country, rushing defense forty second, passing thirty ninth overall, total defense thirty seventh. So you know, like middle class, upper middle class, but they only have what three returning starters on this defense? You know, three or four guys. I mean, th- this is this is kind of going to be a little bit of a, of a project. Now, obviously, you know, you got a guy like Dante Stills, and also you got Taj Olson up front too. So two guys, you know, can anchor the line. I mean, and a good defensive line, good pass rush can really help things out there. Is that the key for them, getting after the quarterback to kind of maybe cover up some stuff that's happening in the back end? Absolutely. And the reason uh, – and I think a lot of people may be sleeping on our defense. Yes, we only have three returning starters on paper. But we have two guys in Charles Woods at cornerback who our defensive backs coach says is the best corner in the league and can cover anybody in the country. Uh, was graded out very highly by Pro Football Focus last year. He was not a starter last year until uh, his – the number one guy went down with an injury and Woods came in and, and actually played a lot better than the guy he replaced. So uh, I don't, th- we're definitely, we're definitely improving on that side of, of the, of the field. Then on the other side, we've got three, uh, well, two are corners and one safety coming in grad transfers. Who The three of them combined have over a thousand snaps between them. You have Rashada Jai from Colorado state, Wesley McCormick from James Madison. And then Jasir Cox from North Dakota State, who's probably going to play the spear safety position. Those guys are, are fifth-year seniors now, or four, fourth or fifth-year seniors. They're grad transfers, so they've got experience. Maybe not at the Power 5 level, but they do have experience playing college football. So even though we had guys leave, they have been replaced by guys with experience. And according to our defensive staff and Coach Brown, they are bringing in guys with more speed and more length, so they will be able to play more man now, which will help that front seven get more pressure on the quarterback. So, and and don't forget, in the middle, we've got Lee Koba, uh, who is nobody talks about. Uh, he's he's a JUCO transfer, but he uh, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Josh. But he, uh, when you mention his name, our defensive coordinator Jordan Leslie's eyes light up, man. I mean, he just, I think he's going to be a star. He, we're just, we're a lot more. We have don't have as much experience this year, but we have a lot more athleticism, and I think that might help cover up some mistakes. Let's talk about this this schedule because this schedule, man. I mean, it is. It's. I love it. It's fun. I'm glad they're playing uh, as many Power Five teams as they are. But it is a difficult, difficult schedule. The road games are at Pitt, at Virginia Tech, at Texas, at Texas Tech, at Iowa State, at Oklahoma State. I mean, they're going to be underdogs in every single one of those games. Yes. And so you think about that. I mean, you think about, okay, there'll they'll be dogs in those games. Baylor's at home, they'll be a dog. Oklahoma's at home, they'll be a dog. And depending on how good Kansas State is later in the season, I mean, that you know, if, if Kansas State plays up the potential, I mean, they could be a dog in that game. I, I mean, this, you know, this is a really hard schedule. And so I think there's a chance, Justin, that while, while West Virginia's team might be better than it was last season – you know, I'm not. I'm not sure the results are going to be much better in terms of wins and losses, just because this is a murderer's row, man. This this is really difficult. I agree with that, and that's the one thing. 
My my uh my mind's on the seven eight win range is kind of where I think we'll land. But man, with that schedule, it's going to be hard because, like you said, I mean Virginia Tech. I don't expect Virginia Tech to be that good this year, but it's a night game in Blacksburg, and we all know Inner Sandman starts pump starts pumping through the speakers. Everybody starts jumping. That is a hard place to play. We're, we go to Pitt, which is a rival game, and Pitt's Pitt's going to be good. Uh, as, as bad as that pains me to say, or as much as that pains me to say, Pitt's going to be a really good team. And uh, it's going to be a tough one. I think we have a chance, but we have to bring our A game. And then, I mean, how, how many teams have to play their two? Number one, not many teams play two Power Five teams at a conference, and to play them both on the road, man. I don't know who made our schedule. But and they're two biggest rivals, right? Yeah, I mean, two, it, two, two of their I, biggest I mean, rivals. The way the schedule lines up this year is brutal, and not to mention the Big Twelve side of the schedule. The only thing that makes me feel better, we we have Baylor at home at night, which is a good, you know, might help. Because Baylor's probably going to be good again. Uh, we're going to have to win some games that we're not supposed to win. I mean, that's just that's just what it comes down to. Because, like you said, we're not going to be favored in many. One more word from today's sponsors. Today's Locked On Big Twelve podcast is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to built.com today. It's built.com. You guys can find your new favorite, my new favorite, the cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light, chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in one hundred percent real chocolate cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them as well go to built.com today that's built.com use the promo code lock 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 lock 15 to save 15 percent today at built.com on your first order once again promo code lock 15 at built.com the thing it basically like it you know, and you said seven, eight wins. I mean, it's going to have to go really right for that to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if, if this team kind of realizes its potential, it's, you know, and performs really well, I mean, it's going to be eight wins just because it's – Pitt's going to be good again, although it sounds like Keaton Slovis could be injured. Not sure about how valid that is, but we'll, we'll see on that. You're right about Virginia Tech. You know, West Virginia might have a better team. Play the game on a neutral field. Probably West Virginia is better, but, uh, you know, that game could be close. We You know, we saw last year that was a, that was a crazy game. Um, so, you know, th- there's a chance there, but yeah, getting Baylor home is good. Getting Oklahoma ho- home is home is good. Um, and getting Kansas state at home too is, you know, th- they're really going to have to protect home field. I mean, they really are going to have to, because th- those road games, you know, I mean, can they, are they going to win two road games this year? Like is, are that, can they do they that? I mean, that's that's a, once again, the road games at Pitt, at tech, at Texas, at Texas Tech, at Iowa State, and at Oklahoma State. And Iowa State's not great this year, but Jack Trice is always really hard to win at. Oh, yeah. So that's that's really difficult. You almost you, you kind of wish you could flip some of these games, right? Uh, let's just play at OU. You know, let's just play at <laughs> let's just play at Baylor and flip some of the worst teams to home so we can kind of win those games that yeah. make sense. That makes sense. And I, I mean I think we beat I think we can beat Virginia Tech, even though it's gonna be a tough environment. I think we we can beat Pitt. I'm not saying we will, but we can. Yeah, you can just split uh, out of those two games probably to get to eight wins. You definitely have to then, split those. And I think we can win. I think we can beat – we owe Texas Tech. Neil Brown has never beaten Texas Tech, believe it or not. So, mm. I think it's – we're due that one. So, I think we can win that one. And I think we can beat Iowa State, uh, even though it's going to be tough. They The good thing about it, they will be battle-tested when it comes to playing in harsh environments. But that being said, to, to, to be objective, West Virginia, since Coach Brown has been here, has not done good on the road. Our road record is abysmal. So, now they've held serve at home. For the, for the most part, but 
they're going to have to turn those road road woes around this year if they want to get to that seven or eight win mark. So, what's your official prediction for West Virginia this year? What's what's your your prediction for? Well, it was eight and four, but after talking to you, Josh, I might lower it. <laughs> no, well, it's I, just I, you know, look, I, I'm not anti West Virginia by any means. I know, I know you're not. No, but I, it's I, just I, I don't think. I mean, it that it's way. damn, it's the hardest schedule in the league. It is the hardest schedule in the league. It's not close. I don't think. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. My, I think I still think we can go eight and four because I th- I think there's a few teams in the Big Twelve that are going to take steps back this year. I don't think Oklahoma's going. I think this is year we can finally get Oklahoma. We have them at home. They're going through a coaching change. I don't. I think Brent Venables is, is going to be a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but year one of a new coach, you know they might they they could take a step back. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma might take a step or two back this year because they're replacing a lot of pieces on defense. Um, so I think you know we could potentially get them. Uh, we do get Baylor at home, so that's our extra chance to pick them off. And Baylor hasn't won at West Virginia yet. Keep that in mind. They struggle in, in Morgantown. So I think we can win some games that most – I think we're going to win some games that we're not picked to win. Now, this is this is all relocated on JT Daniels staying healthy, by the way. Yeah. If he doesn't stay healthy. Are they going to – so would they go Garrett Green or did he transfer out? I'm, I'm totally he's still there. He's still there. So, I mean, I know they brought in Nico Markial too. People are really excited about uh, Garrett Green. Though, would he be the backup if, if things go? Don't south? know. Probably so. I mean, right now, uh, he's not even named JT the starter. He's they're all getting equal reps at practice. Yeah, I mean, but I, I mean, I think it's pretty much you hear him talk about it. It's JT's a starter when you hear him. When you know, you hear him speak. Yeah, with that team. I think it's all just to you know keep to keep the other guys happy. Number one, probably, and number two, to keep JT from getting overconfident. Maybe I don't know. Or just to get to back up more reps, you know, in case he does have to play. But I think a lot of coaches are playing that, uh, playing that strategy right now this time of year. Everybody's getting, saying it's a, it's a race because they want to push each, they want them to push each other to to get better. But I think Garrett Green, uh, I tell you what, we have Will Goose, Goose Crowder, who nobody talks about a whole lot. He looked he he looked better. Of course, JT wasn't there for the spring game, but between him, Markiole, and Green, Will Crowder actually looked the best of the three in the spring game. I know it's a spring game. But you know he does have a shot to win that backup position. Position, in my opinion. So, to me, it's uh, to me though. If I had to pick today, I'd say it would be Garrett Green, basically, basically because, because of his experience. He's the oldest guy of the three. So, all right, Justin, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Uh, I'm mainly on YouTube at Coos's Corner, uh, where I cover West Virginia football. I cover a lot of Big Twelve football, and I, of course, any national storylines I'll cover. Do a lot of conference realignment stuff. You can also find me on podcast platforms, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, and then obviously at Twitter at Coos206. It's on the underneath me there on the screen. And you can also find me at Coos's Corner on Instagram and TikTok. So uh, come check me out, interact with me. And I appreciate Josh having me on. I really enjoy his work over here at Locked On Big 12. Appreciate that. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh.